Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And daughter, do death. Hello, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. I'm good. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm really pleased to be back. I think we had a, a good recording session last week. Yes, um, it, was, it was good. <laughs> it was like two months, wasn't it, since we'd last yeah. recorded? So it did feel a bit strange, but <laughs> it was like we'd never been away there. <laughs> yeah, yes. Now, now it feels like we've never been away. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, your police is back. Yes, definitely. And glad to hear that people have been listening to us since we've been back. So thank you for <laughs> rejoining us after our little hiatus. Yes, thank you. And how is the baby? He's fine. Yeah, he's great. He's <laughs> doing lots of baby things. Um, right. Um, but yeah, he's great. He's four weeks old already, which has four gone weeks. very quickly. Wow. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure where that time's gone. Tonight, I am going to tell you the story of uh, Peter Madsen and the murder of Kim Val. Ooh. You'll have probably heard of this when we kind of get into it, because... I I was flicking through Discovery Plus, my new favourite thing to watch. Since I've discovered it, we get 12 months free if you um, are a Sky VIP customer. Ah, uh, now I looked into this. Do you have to have a Sky Q? You have to have Sky um, Q, so I can't get it. Gutted for you. Well, as we're a Sky Q VIP customer, yeah. we get <laughs> Discovery Plus free for a year. Um, so anyone else on Discovery, on Sky Q? You, you can get it would recommend it's got all of their crime stuff on there as well as all their food stuff and watching all the james martin things and there's uh, loads of other kind of bits of documentaries and lifestyle things so it would recommend skyky so i was looking through there looking for inspiration for murders and remembered about this and i started watching the documentary but it was all in danish and subtitled so i very quickly oh. stopped watching it and took my research elsewhere because <laughs> i could not sit for an hour reading subtitles there's going to be a lot of butchering of pronunciations here i apologize to everyone especially our <laughs> nordic listeners <laughs> which i know of at least one um so oh, yeah <laughs> apologies <laughs> for how badly I'm going to pronounce these uh, Danish and Swedish <laughs> names. I'm just going to apologise off the bat for how badly I pronounce these things. Peter Madsen was born on the 12th of January 1971 to Annie and Carl Madsen. He spent his early life in Seibi and Hung, both in Denmark. And Annie was actually 36 years younger than Carl. Um, oh, wow. So there's quite the age gap when they first got together. And she had three other sons from two previous relationships. Actually, Carl, Carl must have been getting on a bit then. Yeah. And so, and he was allegedly quite abusive towards his three stepsons, but not towards Peter, who was his biological son. Right. Annie left Carl when Peter was six, taking all the children with her. But after a couple of years, Peter returned to live with his father, who he was very close to and whom he shared an interest in rockets. Ooh, okay. Whilst he was attending school, Peter developed a real interest in rocket fuel with the help of his chemistry and physics teacher. And he developed his first large rocket at Hung and launched it in March 1986. So he'd have been 15. Wow. 
It was a meter tall and it was modelled after the American ICBM MX Peacekeeper and it was built in his father's workshop. And it actually reached a height of 100 metres before crashing back down to earth and not harming anybody. 100 um, metres? Which is quite impressive, yeah, really, yeah. that a 15-year-old could like build this model, this, this rocket from scratch that was functional. In, uh, in 1987, he was accepted into his high school in the local nearby town. However, he didn't finish his secondary education and he was very much kind of self-taught really going forward as an engineer. He didn't go on to university or anything like that, but he he really kind of honed his craft as a as an engineer and with this this interest in in rockets. He moved to live in a youth house when he was about 18 and around that same sort of time his father died. So, yeah, you know, as we said, he must have been quite old at this point yeah. um, for there to have been that, that age gap between him and his ex-wife. Peter continued to experiment and consult with engineers and he became friendly with the family who were responsible for the fireworks in Copenhagen's Tivoli Gardens. And he also joined the Dansk Amateur Racket Club, the D-A-R-K rocket club in Copenhagen but the other members gradually became disillusioned with him they said that by saying his name it would start the fire sprinkler system <laughs> so he wasn't really well liked and as I said he never finished any formal education but he took courses in welding and engineering to learn about submarines and his enthusiasm brought him impressive results he funded his lifestyle through financial support from people, organisations and enterprises who saw promise in him. And he became quite the entrepreneur, really, a bit yeah. Elon Musk. Yeah. And because of that, he was kind of a semi-celebrity, like people knew who he was. Um, mm-hmm. He was relatively well known in Copenhagen and across Denmark. He went on to build three functioning submarines. So he built the UC-1 Freya, the UC-2 Cracker, and the UC-3 Nautilus. The Freya like, was decommissioned and sank. The Cracker went to live in a, in a museum. And the Nautilus, which was a privately built midget submarine, which was launched in May 2008. Um, okay. And it was the, I want to say, the biggest privately built submarine that, or the there was something significant about the fact that it was kind of privately built. It was kind of a world leader for what yeah. it was doing. Yeah, mostly um, mili- military, I guess, aren't they? And yeah, exactly. Government and, commissioned. And, and he'd built this yeah. essentially from scratch on its own. It was completely functioning. And he lived on it for a time as well. Wow. He wasn't very materialistic and he, he lived on it. It wasn't very big. It could fit eight people on it when it was kind of at surface level or four people if it went underwater. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Yeah, and it cost about $200,000 to build um in 2000 two hundred thousand dollars yeah do you think that's a, a lot or not a submarine? lot submarine no i don't think that's much at all yeah that's how much it 1.5 million dkk which i'm assuming is the danish yeah um danish currency krona presumably wouldn't it krona yeah probably yeah and because he built this submarine, he was kind of being followed around by like film crews and things like that. Who and he was being shown on the telly. Mm-hmm. And in two thousand and eight, he also co-founded Copenhagen Suborbitals with the Danish architect Christian von Bengsten. In November two thousand and eleven, he got married. His wife had worked in the film industry and also kind of helped at the at his workshop, but they split up in two thousand and eighteen. Okay. In June 2014, he left the Suborbitals project due to disagreements with 
his co-founder, Christian von Bengsten. And in the same month, he established the RML Space Lab, APS. And the goal was the development and construction of a crewed spacecraft, like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and stuff are trying to do at the moment, like create more spacecraft. When, um, when, when you say crude, do you mean with a crew on board or that it was crudely built? <laughs> I mean, crude as in with a crew on board. Ah, right. <laughs> Not crude as in it was crudely built yeah. with, with a crew on board. So from 2016, RML was developing a nano-satellite launch vehicle using different investments from people who saw promise in him. And he was sharing, they were, they were filming it, it was being shared quite widely across the internet. And he was just the sort of person that journalist Kim Val was interested in. So Kim Val was born on the 23rd of March 1987 in Trelleborg in Sweden. After school, she attended Lund University in Sweden. And in 2011, she graduated in um, international relations from LSE in London. During her years of studies, she also studies at Beijing University and also had a, a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University in New York, where she also studied journalism. So wow, she got she was very well read. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was very metropolitan <laughs> she spent her time as a freelance journalist and with work being published in the guardian the new york times harper's magazine and vice and reported from all over the world in places like north korea the south pacific uganda and haiti and she was working a lot around talking about climate change and the use of nuclear power and in 2016 she was awarded the handsome Meath award for the best digital reportage so she was quite up and coming she was really she was doing a lot of things in kind of journalism and was trying to kind of highlight interesting people especially working around this kind of in innovative yeah entrepreneurial sort of world yeah yeah She'd been chasing an interview with Peter Madsen for several months and had very little hesitation in taking up his invitation for a trip on his homemade submarine off Copenhagen in August 2017. It wasn't just his submarine that, that um, Kim Val was interested in, but she was really interested in his ambition to build this rocket launch and to launch it into space. She was actually about to move to Beijing with her Danish partner, Ole. And this was going to be like the final story she, she'd done in the area before she left. Madsen invited Kim to come aboard his submarine on the 10th of August, 2017. Mm-hmm. The same evening that Kim and Ole were planning a leaving party before their move to Beijing on the 16th. So they were kind of getting ready for this party. She got this text to say, if you want to come on my submarine tonight, I'm in the area come on board so she said yes absolutely she was saying you know I'll go for a couple of hours interview him I'll come back to the party and because it was in the same place where where the submarine was stationed so it was all going to work out perfectly so she boarded the Nautilus at seven o'clock on the evening of the 10th of August and she was seen by passing boats looking happy and relaxed there's footage of her kind of like from sort of cameras from boats from other boats passing of her kind of at the top of the submarine looking you know relaxed and and happy and she texted her boyfriend not long after boarding the submarine saying I'm still alive by the way and then I'm going down now I love you he bought coffee and cookies but that was the last message she sent from the vessel and Ole repeatedly texted back but he didn't hear anything back from Kim the submarine never returned to the harbour 
And the police were called at 1.43 that night by Ole to say that uh, Kim was missing because he'd expected her back on land kind of nine-ish, maybe 10. He'd not been able to get in touch with her at all. So he called the police at 1.43 to say that she was missing. The next morning, Nautilus was sighted in Kurga Bay, which was southeast of Copenhagen, by a lighthouse. And it founded at 11 o'clock in the morning. Peter Madsen was pulled to safety by four people from the from the, the submarine. Yeah. Then he was taken to the port of Dragor, where he was met by a group of reporters, and he described the final moments of the sub, blaming it sinking on the ballast tank. However, there was no sign anywhere of Kim Vol. Madsen was arrested pretty much immediately after it founded and was charged with negligent manslaughter because they assumed that because she wasn't anywhere to be found, she'd either gone down with the ship or she was somewhere else yeah police suspected that he had scuttled the submarine and that i have discovered means that it was deliberately sunk peter madison said that he dropped kim off at about half past 10 the night before so the night that she'd been on the mm-hmm. on the submarine the, the night of the party near the hal Vandert restaurant on the northern tip of Ref Saloon, which is the kind of hip area of Copenhagen. And he'd not seen her ever since. The restaurant owner, Bo Peterson, said that the area was well covered by CCTV and he handed the video footage to the police. But there was absolutely no sighting of Kim Val or him her being dropped off by, by Madsen at that time. After a hearing on the 12th of August, so a couple of days later, police revealed that Madsen had actually given them a new account of events which is oh, always yeah. dodgy. It's yeah. dodgy. Where he said that there had been a terrible accident on board and Kim Val had been accidentally hit on the head by the submarine 70 kilo hatch. He then dumped her body somewhere in Kurga Bay, about 50 kilometres south of Copenhagen. On the 21st of August, a cyclist found Kim's torso washed up on a beach in the southwest of Amager. A post-mortem examination found 15 stab wounds, mostly in the groin area. And they they figured out it was her from kind of DNA testing. On the 6th of October, so quite some weeks later, assisted by cadaver dogs um, provided by the police, Police divers, and I'm assuming that the cadaver dogs weren't diving, police divers found two plastic bags in Kurga Bay, which had been weighed down by car pipes and metal pipes, which contained Val's head, legs, clothes and a knife. And six days later, a saw was found in the water as well. Then on the 21st and the 29th of November, police divers found her arms in the bay. A post-mortem examination, which was performed on her head after it was found, found no signs of blunt force trauma. So there was no sort of evidence on her skull that this hatch had hit her her in the head. And her skull itself couldn't determine the cause of death. On the 30th of October, police said that the inventor had changed his story again. Mm-hmm. and had told them that she died on board of carbon monoxide poisoning. He also d- admitted to dismembering her body, which he'd previously denied. He said that the air pressure on board the submarine had suddenly plummeted while he was on the deck, and Kim Vol was in the engine room. The sub had filled with exhaust fumes, and he'd been unable to get back in. When I finally managed to open the hatch, a warm cloud hit my face. 
I find her lifeless on the floor and I squat next to her and try to wake her up, slapping her cheeks, he said. After trying for almost an hour to push her body out of the submarine, he said he mutilated her. The post-mortem performed on her torso, though, showed no signs of exhaust gases in her lungs. So I'm guessing that he's trying to say that, oh, he he was trying to kind of get rid of her body so that it didn't look suspicious, but he couldn't move her because she was too heavy, so he cut her up to move her. Move her, yeah. He always denied murder and aggravated sexual assault, but admitted dismembering her body and disposing of it at sea. And he said that he'd done this out of respect for his victim's family, which I don't understand because chopping up a body doesn't seem like a very respectful thing to do. No. There were no exhaust fumes found in her... No. No chemicals associated with exhaust found in her blood or anywhere in her body. There was no sign of any impact to her head from a 70-kilogram hatch. No. Hmm. On the 16th of January 2018, Peter Madison was charged with her murder, indecent handling of a corpse and sexual assault. The prosecution accused him of having tortured her before killing her by cutting her throat or strangling her. But obviously they could never prove which one of those it was. His trial began on the 8th of March at Copenhagen Courthouse. The prosecution painted a picture of a man who enjoyed watching videos of women being killed or tortured which were found on his workshop computer. He'd watched a beheading video shortly before he'd taken Kim Val out on his submarine, um, which had been found by police on a backup profile of his iPhone after he'd kind of wiped everything off it. During the trial, the prosecutor, Jacob Butch Jepson, said that it was unclear how she died, but it was clearly intentional and with a sexual motive. And I think that kind of all the stab wounds around her groin kind of pointed them mm-hmm. towards that. He had already asked other women to join him on the sub that week, but no one else had come. It had kind of come out that some women testified that they'd been approached that week to go and join him on the submarine as well. The prosecution argued that a screwdriver, a saw and metal piping were taken on board the submarine by Madsen for the first time on the 10th of August as part of a premeditated murder plan to stab his victim, mutilate her and then dispose of her body. And at trial as well, a scientist from the Danish Technological Institute told the court that his argument that Kim Voller died of exhaust fumes was possible, but only if the temperature on board had risen very high. But a police witness told the court there'd been no sign of any exhaust fumes. On the 25th of April, he was convicted of all three charges and sentenced to life in prison. He appealed his sentence and on the 26th of September, the High Court of Eastern Denmark upheld the sentence. So they said that, obviously, there was too much evidence. In 2018, was that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. On the 20th of October 2020, Madsen briefly escaped from prison by threatening a prison employee, said to have been a psychologist, using a pistol-like object before fleeing, equipped with an object he claimed to be a bomb belt. And the bomb squad was deployed because it could have quite easily been a bomb belt because he knew what he was doing with kind of chemicals and stuff. And he was surrounded and apprehended by police from the 500 metres from the prison, so he didn't get very far. And he was taken back into custody, and it was found to be a fake bomb belt. Right. After her death, Kim Vol's family and friends founded the Kim Vol Memorial Fund, aiming to fund female reporters to cover stories of subcultural value, like she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And she was posthumously nominated for Pre Europa's Outstanding Achievement Award for Journalist of the Year. And her parents also wrote a book about her and her life and kind of what happened to her. 
and her boyfriend Ole had re- shared his story about kind of what had happened across the media as well. But all in all, a very scary case that he'd yes. obviously like he'd gone from essentially nothing to luring this woman on board this submarine and then brutally murdering her um probably after sexually assaulting her and chopping up her body and dumping it in copenhagen bay is yeah quite a story yeah i mean there was no no indication of any of this sort of behavior before no and i think um there was a couple of unsolved murders from Copenhagen from the eighties that police tried to link to him, but they right. didn't. They didn't have enough evidence. They couldn't. But yeah, he just seemed to be a bit of a kind of eccentric engineer living yeah. on a submarine and you know doing all this stuff with rockets. Yeah, and he'd been married, but and then, he, but that had fallen apart. And... Yeah, but then he yeah mm. lured this woman on board and then murdered her, murdered her. and chopped her up obviously sunk his own submarine i'm assuming to hide the evidence well presumably it was full of blood blood (laughs) yeah it must have been there must have been quite a lot of blood there so did the police or anybody salvage the submarine yeah so they brought it back onto land the day after it had sunk and processed it for evidence so i'm assuming that they obviously found things on there that were quite incriminating that was concerning to them so they um yeah, were able to push ahead to arrest him. Okay, yeah, based on the evidence they might might have found on board the submarine. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a strange story. I, it's, yeah. It, it, what's that one? Um, is it John Young? It was the, he 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 was really good at chemistry from a young age, and he went around poisoning people in the factory oh, that he worked in, in the yeah, warehouse yeah. that he worked at. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? People have got this immense scientific ability yeah. and knowledge, and then they end up doing things so destructive. Yeah. With it. If he'd been watching all this awful stuff, and then he had this woman who he who was keen to be alone with him on his submarine. Yeah. She kind of walked straight into this trap that she didn't even know had been set for her. Yeah. So he's still in prison. Well, it's only been four years, isn't it? It's only been four years, yeah. Still in prison. I'm not sure how long he's been... I know it said life, but does that really mean life in Denmark? Well, that's... I have no idea. (laughs) I'm assuming that they'll keep him in for quite a long time because he he did a pretty horrific thing. Yeah. So life, a life sentence in Denmark is a minimum of 12 years. They can request a pardon hearing after 12 years, but prisoners sentenced to life average serve an average of 17 years okay it's not really life is it but no um, i guess he might get out (laughs) he might do yeah yeah and he's not that old as anyone in his 50s so yeah that is the story of peter madsen and his brutal murder of kim yeah wow it's such a shame he's wasted such potential i mean he clearly is quite an intelligent Man, if he can actually build a submarine, then quite an entrepreneur. And, you know, talk about building rockets and spaceships and things. Yeah, but horrific that he thought that he could essentially get away with murdering this promising young woman. Yes. Yeah, that was all a bit 
crude mm. <laughs> his attempts to uh, get rid of her. Yeah, definitely. His sins were found out. Mm. Well, thank you very much for that. Have you got any uh, pictures? Yeah, I will put some pictures on our social media pages. I'll put them on Instagram. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. On Facebook. Just look for Dad and Daughter Do Death. And you can get in touch with us at any time by emailing us at... Dad and Daughter Do Death at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, and thank you, Phoebe, for that that really interesting story. You're very welcome. It would be really good to hear from you if you have any comments about this or any of our other previous 54 episodes. There's a a big back catalogue if you are uh, looking for things to fill your time. (laughs) Get in touch. Leave us some stars on your podcast provider. Yes, definitely. So join us next time. We're once again, Dad. And daughter, do death.